Hello. Hello and welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Craig Long. Wait, this isn't This American Life? <laughs> Hi. It's uh, it's this Australian life. Because <laughs> Tony Collette is Australian. <laughs> Which I did not know. You didn't, you didn't know? know? I didn't know until I started listening to the podcast. Because oh I had only really... Oh, I guess I'm jumping the gun, but... I had seen her in uh, Little Miss Sunshine and then Hereditary. That's my history with her. Oh, yeah. okay. She famously plays an American in both of those. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I find that when Australian actors get very emotional in things... Oh, your drink's very loud, Samantha. <laughs> Thank you. I'm extremely drunk. <laughs> okay. Uh, when Australian actors get really like heated in anything, I find that their, ac- their true accents come out. Mm-hmm. Like Nicole Kidman in Big Little Lies, so hard turns just full Australian whenever she's like upset. There are so many times on Big Little Lies where for a moment I'm like, wait, is Nicole Kidman playing like somebody who moved from Australia to America? Maybe. Wasn't there like a whole thing that they added for that? I haven't watched the show. Oh, so. well, it's, oh my um, god, watch it. <laughs> uh, it's based on an Australian book and the, yeah, book, yeah. Took place in, the book took place in Australia. <laughs> How's that drink? <laughs> We had this exact problem last episode, and I did not learn from my mistakes. You know what? What? Let's begin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So So what are we talking about today? Tonight's movie is Velvet Goldmine from 1998, which was written and directed by... Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes. Oh, isn't he... Did he direct Carol? Yes. Oh, he did. He also directed Poison, which was one of my like favorite movies. And this movie with... Barbies about yes. Karen Carpenter. Um, superstar. Mm-hmm. That's why there's that one scene in in this with the two Barbies. Oh. Okay. I want to watch some of that those That was other like movies. my favorite scene, not to jump the gun, but okay. Very book smart. Velvet Goldmine. Uh, I'm going to read a summary that I got off of Google because we're going my favorite murder style tonight. Glam rock star Brian Slade predicts his own death, then fakes his own death and is exposed as a fraud. Ten years later, a reporter slash former fan tracks him down to write a story about it, which is misleading because that the is reporter- That is extremely misleading. Does not actually- um, tracked down Brian Slade himself until the very end. Oh, yeah. Which, mm. spoiler alert, it turns out that Brian Slade just... Uh, <laughs> okay. Transforms into another human being. No, literally another Bri- human being. Brian Slade... Je- okay, here's what's up. Brian Slade in the 70s, in this movie, he's like it's like a fictional... Uh, I feel like this movie was supposed to be like... Um, a mockumentary biopic. It was supposed to be about thing. David Bowie, but yeah. they couldn't. It was supposed to be heavily, heavily based on David yeah. Bowie. Yeah, but David Bowie said no because he didn't like the script. Yeah, because he thought it was too like mean or something to him. Yeah. I don't actually know. I'm uh, yeah. putting words also, in a man's mouth. Also, was he gay? David Bowie <laughs> was <laughs> gay. <laughs> was he gay? Um, David Bowie was like sort of like Brian Slade, which I think is funny. Like Brian Slade. <laughs> oh my um, god. Um, but he was bisexual for a period of time. Well, he would say that he was bisexual, but then in the 80s, I think it was, he came out as like, he told everyone that he was like, oh, I was actually a closet heterosexual, but I, (laughs) um, said that I was bisexual because like, that was like the glitter rock and the glam rock thing Uh to do. Um, 
Yeah, but yeah. then he married Amon, who was beautiful. So this then this is, movie not is very this like... Is, um, the, so basically, this is the basis for all of our parents' fears when we yes. came out in like middle school. They were like, well, maybe it's just like David Bowie and you're just doing it to be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did read something on the Wikipedia that said that the movie, like, people found that it worked well as like the themes of a biopic because mm-hmm. it wasn't a direct like adaptation of someone's life, but like the imagery that it presented like made gave a more actual holistic like picture of someone's life. And I think that's an interesting idea. Something because, that maybe yeah. wouldn't have been able to be accomplished with a bio. Because people get too like KG. I'm gonna talk about this movie a lot in a sec, Bohemian Rhapsody, but you'll get you'll see. But um that is an example of like a by the numbers like beat by beat like biopic mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. annoying but this was way I it had more it was, creative um, freedom I feel like yeah. you know well I think, I think oh, oh well I was also gonna say I just want to briefly say that if I ever slip up because there was a long period of time where I didn't realize it was biopic I thought it was pronounced biopic me like too myopic <laughs> no yeah. I did too no me too okay I, that makes me feel I thought a lot that better. everybody else was <clears throat> pronouncing it wrong yes yeah. I was like everyone else is just stupid like uh-huh. this is the correct pronunciation I don't think I ever said it out loud but I always yes. read it like biopic. I absolutely yeah. did. I still do. And sometimes I do to this day based on what kind of mood I'm in. So a more accurate, I guess, summary of this would um, be, I think that the main character is supposed to be the journalist slash fan, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't really do much throughout the movie. Christian because Bale. So much, Christian Bale uh, from Pocahontas. <laughs> I always forget he's in that. He's not in oh, that. He, uh, he's the he's the friend. Oh my god, he's John Smith's friend. <laughs> he kills Cocoam. Does he? I don't remember. Does Cocoam die in Pocahontas? He kills Cocoam. Thomas, played by Christian Bale. Does Cocoam fucking die in Pocahontas? Yes, he kills Cocoam in the scuffle. When they find the when they find John Smith and Pocahontas. What's it called kissing. in um in West Side Story? The, the Rumble. Rumble. <laughs> I was. You know, actually, I'm not going to admit this. Um, I played a, sh- I am, I played a shark at a Jewish community center in 2009. I love how the original idea for um, West Side Story was East Side, East Side Story, and it was supposed to be Christians and Jews. Yeah. Um, you know what? Which, like, considering it was an all-white creative team, was probably a good idea. But I, yeah. And now yeah. Tony Kushner is writing the screenplay for the upcoming movie. Intersectional icon Tony Kushner <laughs> and uh, Ansel Elgort. Is playing, which Tommy. I cannot wait for. To be honest, I watched the first five minutes of Baby Driver the other day, and wow, Ansel Elgort, what a talent! Remember when he I was sound in Carrie? Sar- I sound sarcastic, but okay, honest to God, Ansel Elgort, what he and Judy Greer were the best parts of Carrie. I honestly thought that Ansel Elgort did really well in the no, remake. No, Julianne Moore was the best part. No, she I didn't wasn't. see the remake. That good for you. You don't need to. Um, it, yeah, it, it's unnecessary. No, Julianne Moore sure. was Julianne Moore... was great, but she just had it. The script wasn't good. Is this the Julianne Moore award? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she plays Carrie, and Chloe Grace Moritz Julius. plays uh, Margaret White. Okay, wait. Okay, so getting back to Velvet. Yeah, Gold we have a lot to talk about. Okay, with this yeah. Movie. So the so the reporter is more of the main character, and the whole thing is him tracking down people from Brian Slade's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that's because the. From what I read on Wikipedia, again, is that the style and like the structure is kind of cribbed from Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. and with like that's why I asked you earlier if you've ever seen Citizen Kane because there's so many references to Citizen Kane mm-hmm. on the Wikipedia, and I've never seen that movie. Neither have I. Oh, I really like it. Hot take: Citizen Kane is a good movie. <laughs> wow, I. <laughs> As if anyone needs my opinion. The on theme that. of this podcast is every week people learn more about how much I have 
pop culture I have, do not know about and pretend to. I but can I, only <laughs> understand pop culture through references to Glee. For example, that song, Do You Want to Touch? Do You Want to Touch? Do You Want to Touch Me? There plays in this movie, and mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow sang that on Glee. You know, I found out on the train over here that Gwyneth Paltrow won an Emmy for Glee. Wait, she did? I thought that you were joking about No, that. I'm not kidding. She won an Emmy for Glee? Yeah. I, I love mean, that. I mean, you know what? I think she deserved it. Holly Holiday. God. Okay, anyway, we've talked about Holly Holiday too much on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we have. Anyway, okay. So most of the movie in terms of content, in terms of like the time being spent on everything, it's mostly told in flashbacks to Brian Slade's life, which is why you mm-hmm. would see Brian Slade as the protagonist, even though the movie, I guess, more technically follows Christian Bale as the reporter going and through everybody in his Ewan life. And Ewan McGregor. And Ewan oh, McGregor. Yes. And Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. And Tony. I so I was really surprised that she had a she big had a role huge as she did. role. I, when she I, makes her first appearance twenty eight minutes in. When I first read that she was the main character's girlfriend, I was like, oh, she's gonna be in it for like five minutes and like not have anything interesting. But I oh. thought she had all of the best lines. I thought she had. She had the most iconic like. Okay, my favorite visuals. line of all time. I rewound this three times. Her first line. Oh, the first line. It's as subtle as the piece of skin, skin between, between my, my vagina, vagina and my, my anus. My What's vagina and my anus. Does anyone remember what that's Subtlety called? Subtlety is my middle name. <laughs> Just I, absolutely incredible. My first note is... Oh, it's my called first a note, taint, Tony. It's called a taint. It's called a taint. I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs. Taint! The Tainty Awards. The Taint, taint Colette. <laughs> My, yeah, my first note on Tony Collette is Tony Collette fag hag for the ages. <laughs> Literally, okay. Truly, and this is truly a role that we have never seen Tony play. Mm-hmm. I feel like many of her roles, as we discussed mm-hmm. uh, last week or a couple weeks back, is just Muriel in all these different settings, mm-hmm. and then her role in um, Cosi, she kind of played. This was probably again the most the similar there. to that. But that was way it more subdued. It was the most similar. Yeah, this is the first role that's truly like exists on its own. I really cannot see. I'm going to go ahead and ask, um, where's her Oscar for this, to be honest? Yes. Where is or her Oscar Or any for sort this? of. Uh, I think the whole thing. Like, I, I can't believe it didn't get nominated for literally any awards. It's, it was Costume too, design? It was too boundary it pushing. It bombed too, at the box yeah, office Too well. gay. It was way too, like, honestly, I could see this movie today. It's, yeah. it, it's weird because well, what I thought. This is a note that I put way later in. I thought yeah. that this was a very gay movie, but was it a homosexual movie? Yeah, there was that's... very little like actual like man on man sexual. I, I would say there's more than there was more it than was I was expecting. We literally saw more um, than in Bohemian Rhapsody. Ewan McGregor, oh, my love. Ewan yeah. McGregor, his penis. Yes, which think... he's li- literally naked in everything. I've seen which, his penis I... three oh. more times than I've seen my okay, own. Okay, I have two pieces of trivia to share with you. Mm-hmm. The first being that Ewan McGregor taking out his dick was improvised. Yes, I read that. <gasps> the second being how Can you Tony... imagine? I know. The second being how Tony Collette got this role, which was... She, she took w- out her dick. No. <laughs> <laughs> she was in competition with many other actresses. It was very, very stiff competition. It didn't Rachel look Griffiths? Like it Rachel did... Griffiths? Rachel Griffiths, maybe. Uh, she d- it didn't look like she was going to get it. But then she sent a fax to Todd Haynes that just said, in all caps, I am Mandy Slade, signed Tony, Tony Collette. Collette. Oh, my God. And the director Princess cast- Diana is Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. And, and he cast her based on that. He was like, that's a Mandy Slade move. And that that's how she got Mandy the role. Slade mood. I need to fax Todd Haynes. <laughs> I know. I love Todd Who Haynes. would you fax? Which director would you fax right now to get, to get your big break? Greta Gerwig. 
I feel like I could do one of those like mumblecore movies. Mm-hmm. I would. Do you think Little Women's gonna be mumblecore? I was thinking more like Lady Bird. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who I would do. Maybe I could be like a minor character in one of her things that doesn't go through any significant growth mm-hmm. and just kind of says like slightly funny things in like a deadpan voice. Well, because I'm gay, I feel like I would need to do Ryan Murphy. Oh, oh. yeah, same. Yeah, I, I feel like probably... that would be my only real shot at anything. Anything else You're would also be a... white, yeah. Yes. Um... Anything but pose. That's what you'd be cast in. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so should we <laughs> go through this movie? Like, yeah, let's kind of go back to the beginning, because I want to say uh, right off the bat, the first thing it says is that it's fictional. But I, I still spent an hour and a half thinking it was a true story. <laughs> um, and then also I the, spent the first three minutes, like that whole intro, because there was a spaceship. Mm-hmm. Thinking, I love Kesha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Thinking that it was not the right movie. I Me too. I was, I Googling, was, I was Googling the movie and I was like, are any of these names, like is Oscar Wilde in this movie? Like, yeah. There's like okay, a magical that, that, MacGuffin. That clip of Oscar Wilde saying that he wants to grow up to be a pop idol. Oh, absolutely brilliant. That's yeah. that was actually really brilliant. That's like true. Like that's how you know that this was directed and written by a gay man. Is that like all of these weird things that are actually funny? Like it's not weird for the sake of being weird. It's just it's like funny. yeah, and it makes sense within the yeah. context of and the story. And it was it's also there for its own sake. Too. Yes, yes. Where it's not like you know, and the the flamboyance serves the story that it's trying to tell. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that like. During the, I was wondering why there were so many dramatic close-ups, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Oh well, it's the whole like genre of what's going on. It's like based on flamboyance and like grandiosity." Yeah. And I didn't actually know a lot about like the specifics of like glam rock specifically, like in Europe, because like I feel like you we just get these like ideas of what people used to wear as far as like very generic like poodle skirts, like leg warmers but no like american culture is so boring in general that we never really like see this like this kind of genre i mean i just didn't know anything about this i mean yeah granted because like i didn't really listen to this kind of music but i only knew it through like references to like rocky horror yeah and and stuff rocky horror was very there for me and like i feel like honestly this sounds so basic because i was born yesterday but like lady gaga like is my only modern day like viewpoint into yes. what this True. archetype was yeah. because she really is yeah today yeah and not anymore she's just cowboy hats and oscars that's, that's some hot tea. yeah okay let's so the oh, movie okay. oh i begins. just have a quick like i have a quick discussion question yeah. do you think if um <laughs> <Book> club question <laughs> if uh, uh christian bale uh method actor to the stars oh um, my god do you think that he sucked a dick in uh preparation for his role he fucking better have yeah no. <laughs> because one of my notes is Christian Bale, where is it? Christian Bale cannot play gay. Yes. That is, that is something that is very apparent. It was like watching Love Simon. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like, dude, was kind, just it, like try for a second to use your face muscles. Yeah. To me it was like watching Patrick Bateman try and be a gay man. Because I mean, he is Patrick Bateman to me. Because like he was rocking the like uh earring. I thought like he looked fine. The bangs, but, like, the bangs I just, really sent me. I felt nothing when he fled his house and like took off mm-hmm. a coat and was wearing like a crop top. Oh my god, that shirt was hideous. Like that I know so... glam rock is supposed to be ugly, but that shirt was really ugly. But no, that was so awkward. Yeah. But regardless, I thought it was cute. 
But I'm also said, not he, the authority in this situation. But he also like it's also I, cancer season, so I so I so I was like, poor boy, you know. I, like, I like just let him be himself. I no, also I, loved I, how I, they really didn't try to make him look younger than he actually is when mm-hmm. he was playing younger. So it was that like it looked like this like thirty year old man trying to be cool with the the yeah. glam rock other kids. I don't kids. think that he like. I'm I went on the record like I don't think he did a bad job in this movie at all. Oh, I'm just saying right. that I think he it was just like awkward to watch. I thought all the performances. But he's were always what just really? revealing that he's British to me. Yes. And I'm just like whoa. What really <laughs> struck me was in the last ten minutes of the movie when he suddenly became the hottest person I've ever seen, and I don't know what happened. What? He just gained I... some sort of weird confidence when he goes to Tommy Stone's like press conference and just raises his hand and is like, "Are you Brian Slade?" Yeah. Uh, which spoiler alert? Sam it turns always out, jumps to the last ten minutes of the movie, like <laughs> halfway through the podcast. <laughs> it turns out at the end of the movie that Brian Slade, after he faked his own death, got revealed as faking his own death, was like disgraced. Just created like a new persona that was kind of exactly the same as Brian Slade, but like straight and white, but and, but but and well, fitting into this weird all, dystopian he, version of was, America. Yeah. Also played by a different actor. Yeah. Well, I think that was just because time had passed. Well, the thing, but Christian Bale. But something everybody that, else. Something that I thought was yeah. interesting. I had read an uh, interview with Jonathan Rhys Myers. I think that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> he who plays played, Brian Yeah, he played yeah. Brian Slade. And he said that the way that they were going and the way that he performed it was that Brian Slade was an idea. He wasn't an actual human <gasps> being. And that's why. And he said that's that. That's why he looks different. And he thought that he, thought that he should have pr- played um Tommy Stone. I always want to say Tommy Gnosis, but that's <laughs> Hedwig. Um, he thought that he should have played that, but Todd Haynes was like, no, it needs to be like a very obvious, Im- like Im- completely different image. Oh, okay. It's yeah. just confusing, though. Yes. But I, I do agree. respect the wild swing yeah. of yeah. doing that. The yeah. Oscar wild swing. Artistically, <gasps> oh, it made sense. Oh, um, okay. I, I also, I feel like, okay. No, um, you go. <laughs> I just want to point out some lines that I enjoyed at the beginning. Those excerpts from like oh. press interviews with yeah. youth. I like boys, I like girls. They're all great. How different is there, Mr. BBC? That's that I wrote down. I also wrote down, if you're gonna claim you're gay, you're gonna have to make love in the yeah. gay style. I listen, I've been there. Um <laughs> I, and I did love when um, the first time we see Kurt Wilde, he says, like, most of these kids aren't going to make it in the gay world. And I was like, <laughs> That's what they say when you walk through the doors program. of Manhattan College. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the gold, to the gold mines. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, British things, I learned British people have always been more gay than Americans. And I've known this for a while. Um, except for J.K. Rowling. But... Well, she decides who's gay, so... But no. Yeah, I know, but... Who lives who's gay? Who tells your story? (laughs) But what I was saying is, is that, you know how I heard that, you know how in America, like, (laughs) girls at parties, okay, they make out to impress the men. And Mm. then in Britain, the guys do that to impress the gals. Oh. At least that's what happened in, like, 2012. I think it's called snogging. I don't snog. think it's they would snog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Angus anyway, the word, the word, the word, Angus thongs. Is that what you just said? Yeah. I'm yeah. Okay. Um, the oh, word puff. Okay. Wait. Oh. The word puff. Um. Okay. Who here 
when Christian Bale goes to make his first interview and he goes to the guy like in the wheelchair at the home thought that he was interviewing Brian Slade's former lover and it turns out that he's just a manager that Brian yep. Slade had for like two seconds I thought he was his lover who was dying of AIDS me yes, too. I too I assumed it was an AIDS situation because he was in a wheelchair yeah <laughs> That's just the that's the tell. I think maybe it was like hinted. But well, I also think they were yeah. maybe romantically involved because he did look at him very lovingly. The in way the, the impression that I got club. by the end is that the manager, deleted. who I'm only referring to as Mark Evan Jackson, even though it's not played by Mark Evan Jackson, <laughs> um, like had feelings for mm-hmm. Brian, uh, and Brian didn't really look twice at him. Because he's his manager for about two seconds before Brian abandons him for Eddie for Izzard. For Eddie Izzard, who wins him in a arm wrestling match. Which is wild. Also a parallel with fucking Tony Collette again, because he plays her therapist in the United States of Terra. Yes. Much later. Mm-hmm. And, okay, something I that also really... always confuse Eddie Izzard with Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> something that shocked me about this movie was that Eddie Izzard was hot. Mm-hmm. It was 1998. That's true. Everybody was hot in 1998. Yeah, I was one. Uh, I was three. Okay, the introduction of Kurt Wilde. I was so, like, touched by his introduction because Kurt Wilde is essentially um, introduced as Brian Slade's counterpart slash, like, somewhat rival, maybe, like... They, the, you know that you know how when you have that best friend who's a little too similar to you and you find yourself comparing yourself yeah. to them a lot. Yeah, that's he the relationship. He was the Twilight to his Harry Potter. No, he was the no. Katy Perry to his Lady Gaga. No, <laughs> no, he was he was the Aubrey the... Plaza to his Grumpy Cat. <laughs> Kurt Wilde was the Aubrey Plaza to Brian Slade's Grumpy Cat. His Rest intro- in peace. His introduction happens when I know Aubrey Plaza. So sad. <laughs> so sad. Alexa play. Um, Despacito. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Kurt Wilde's introduction, um, as far as flashbacks go, happen when Brian completely bombs during um, a performance where everybody is booing him. They're, like, calling him names. It's really sad. And he leaves. Wanker. And they call him Wanker. Which is very mean in England. And yeah. uh, Brian's really upset. He's yelling at his manager. He's yelling at at Tony Collette. And then he Who's goes. in an amazing coat. Literally oh, everything she wore. In an coat. amazing coat. Messy no hair. No eyebrows anywhere to be Her found. voice is two octaves higher than it usually is. Every scene she has a different wig. Every cut she has a different Every wig. Every line <laughs> she has a different accent. Yes. I'm not loved kidding. that. Okay, so wait. I don't but even... We'll, we'll get like back bad. to Tony by Okay, the end we'll get anyway. back to Tony in a minute. Okay, so Brian Slade goes back to see the next act, who is Kurt Wilde, who is doing incredible work, but getting largely the same response. People are booing him. People are throwing things at but him. But it's like punk. But yeah, and Kurt is like owning it. He It seems like he's feeding off of it. Mm-hmm. He's doing really well. Uh, he's really leaning into the bomb. Taking mm-hmm. out his dick just for fun. Jerking no, off like, with, pouring, the, with glitter. Pouring Jerking glitter all over him. And himself. oil. Rubbing his body. So, just absolutely incredible. So Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was so <laughs> glam rock, though. Honestly, I was like, is this Ewan McGregor? Yeah, it was great. So he and... Um, Trainspotting he, meets Moulin Rouge. That's he, what that was. Uh, he and Kurt basically like become friends. 
but wait, now back to Tony. Tony Collette's whole thing. She's is the that American wife of Brian. She's the American Brian wife Slade. of Brian Slade, but she pretends to be brutish a lot. And you can sort of tell when like she feels like she has to be putting on some sort of air. She goes into the mm-hmm. British accent. When she's a little bit less guarded, she goes into the American accent. But it's never so like clearly drawn as you would think it would be because I feel like this could have been an absolute disaster had yes. a different actress been cast yes. but because Tony is straight up switching accents like in the middle of sentences you can really see exactly what is going on with her from moment to moment specifically in the present day when she's getting interviewed by yes. Christian Bale yeah. she will be talking in a regular oh American God. accent and then she'll refer to the glamour of the day and segue into like a British accent she'll be like yeah so me and Brian Slade you know he was like the star of his time, which was the worst accent. <laughs> I have to stop doing accents. No, no, it was but great. Anyway. That's why I've been, I haven't said anything in an accent because I'm too afraid. I'm really That's afraid. That's what this podcast I was is for. I was, literally tra- I was literally trained in accents and I still can't do them. <laughs> do an accent right now. Um, I don't, what should I say? Oh, she says like darling to him one time. Yeah. To, um, that was Arthur. good. Oh, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Arthur. Oh. No, I um. Speaking of accents. Also, I feel like Christian Bale goes from, like, English to Scottish to Irish a few different times in this movie. Isn't he Scottish? Isn't he, I think he's Welsh. Oh, is oh, he? Oh, now I'm afraid. Maybe that's why. He brutalizes people, doesn't he? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, there's that one time what he's, a word. <laughs> he screamed at someone. I, like, know that, I know that he, like, screamed at somebody on yeah, set. There's that recording of him. Oh, good for you. Which I feel, uh. yeah. Uh, the comedian Alice Wetterland has this bit about how if a Scottish person yelled at her, she could not take them seriously at yeah. all. Well, I found out on the Wikipedia that Kurt Wilde, a.k.a. Ewan McGregor, is an American character yeah yeah he but looks exactly like kurt cobain great something that i an accent the entire time another function that i really like as far as the kurt wilde character <clears throat> goes is to place brian in context as far as like this scale of innocence i would say that kurt wilde is like um the most jaded person um, in the film, mm-hmm. whereas Brian, who might come across as very jaded, as mm-hmm. very, um, as very like rough around the edges, sort of takes on this wide-eyed innocence around yeah. Kurt that sort of places him in a context of where he is in his life, and then, uh, and then when it's like compared to Arthur Christian Bale, mm-hmm. of course, like anybody is going to look like. Um, for some reason, I want to say like a trucker around Christian Bale, who just who who just seems like the most like um put together. No. Yeah, yeah, like put together, like pure person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think or dead eyed. Yeah. The um. Please cut this. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, what should we talk about? Now? Okay, wait. Um, I oh, was uh, gonna say something literally right now, but I forgot. I just have in my oh. notes, Tony is stunning. Can we talk about... I don't about, know what it was about. Can we talk about the random music video sequences that would happen every, like, oh, I yes. loved, 10 minutes? I, I really liked the first few, and then after a while, I was well, I, I, I just wanted to move I on. liked the one where they were, like, acting like it was, like, a, a very heightened, like, um, circus-y press yes. conference. 
Oh, and they were all just yeah. talking about their ideals, and they kind of created like a, like a house, like a HAUS yeah. type thing. They that were to all, me was very Chicago. They were yeah. basically all Cabaret. quotes from Oscar Wilde. Like yeah. those weren't actual oh, really? like things that they were. Th- and I thought that was interesting because it was it like better. it's his fake homosexuality that he's like creating this, but it's all scripted. It's not actually real, True. and then which later, is why he can abandon it later on. Which I thought was like, kind of sad. Playing yeah. like this like alien creature mm-hmm. and like dancing around on a chandelier and like. All these like scenes and like, I like just appreciated how I felt like this whole movie would work so well, like exactly the way it's played, like on stage, mm-hmm. which I really liked. Yeah. And yeah. I don't always like when like like Chicago, like I like the movie, but like it's it's like a weird thing for me, and I yeah. think it has to be a very specific balance of like heightened like yes, it because it didn't language. like try to be something it wasn't mm-hmm. instead of. Yeah. But I in that scene, I I got chills that um, when Brian Slade and Kurt Wilde are kissing, and you just see the spinning images of like the white guys laughing at them. Oh, I thought that yeah. was so powerful because that is like kind of how it feels like when you have your first like gay kiss in public or something. Like Definitely. it feels like everyone's staring at you and everyone's watching and laughing. Something that I really enjoyed as a thread throughout the movie was um, I felt like Brian's sort of I think that I'm using this term wrong, but his sort of through line throughout the entire movie. Uh, was that he's always seeking some sort of autonomy, some sort of ownership yes. over himself and what he does. And he thinks that the bigger he gets as a star, the more of it he'll have when mm-hmm. really like it, he just becomes more ruled by it mm-hmm. rather than ruling it. And I enjoyed uh, seeing him grapple with that. But also I thought that... Um, I guess if we're going to go into... Uh, what I personally didn't like about the movie, I would have liked more exploration into the fact that he decided to fake his own death. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of the... Especially since it's like the jumping off point for the, the whole It's the jumping story. off point and it's never addressed. The whole movie is about like the first two weeks that he was famous. Yeah. And they kind of address how like, I mean, I liked how Tony or Mandy <clears throat> was saying like no one told her. Yeah. And oh, like, so we, and we kind of saw it through her eyes, so I'm a, I kind of see it from that angle as they maybe just we don't know. Yeah, but also if you start the movie as like this singer yeah. faked his own death, let's figure out why. That's true. Then or where he is now. I think that's the now. other question. Yeah, I fe- I felt like the movie went off track. If it was going to be a movie about like the rise of Brian Slade, then that's what it should have been about from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. But. I was also a little confused as to why all the fans like turned on him after that because I was like, that's such like a glam rock thing to do to fake your own death and then just be like, just kidding, like, yeah, I, yeah. I would have been cool with it. But I, then again, I would have been cool with like anything that happened. I was just me. thinking about it like right now. If like my one of my favorite like celebrities like did that, and then it was a fake, I would probably actually be really mad at them too. I what, depending on how long that, I thought it was fake. Yeah, for. that's yeah. true. What I liked about the movie is um. And, and we have sort of gone back and forth about uh, whether Christian Bale can play gay or not. But the, uh, the, the idea that the character of, um, of Brian Slade slash Maxwell Demon uh, being so integral to his own coming out, to his own discovery of his own gayness... Yeah. There, there's the sense who, like, even if, even if Brian was in a space where 
the only thing that he could see was that he was losing control of who he was and yeah. how he presented himself. The I feel like there's this tendency to portray pop stars and rock stars as just entertainment because that is literally what they are. But when mm-hmm. it comes to glam rock, when it comes to um, a lot of media, it can be very, very formative. Mm-hmm. Oh, so absolutely. I, I did understand how the faking of his own death would have felt like a betrayal on mm-hmm. a certain level because people do cultivate a very personal relationship to singers. But that being said, I also feel like we kind of only saw that with Christian Bale's character and it wasn't yeah. really commented on uh-huh. this like That's true. The 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 sort of feeling that his death would have been a tragedy. The like the absolute like and the fact that isn't it revealed later on that Christian Bale was like in the audience when he faked yeah. his own death. Yeah, so that would have been like devastating. Are you sure? Yeah, that was well. It was a scene that, oh. and he's like, it was he hard like to watches, watches where people. Yeah. Were, it also actually. might have been like an artistic choice to have him in the yeah. audience yeah. when really he just heard. Or about it's like it you later just feel on. like yeah. yeah, you feel like. You but were he was there. It, yeah. it, it. You see him like looking at the person who like pulls the gun out and shoots oh, him. Yeah, that's oh. true. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. And yeah. then at the end, it's revealed that he like hooked up with Kurt Wilde. Yeah, you know what it is. I feel like what bugged me about this movie was that. When it comes to those deeper emotional beats, it felt like those were passed over in favor of like moving the plot along. Mm-hmm. Or just using like a creative device, which I think that was the overall aesthetic of the movie didn't really want you to linger too long, I feel like, in yeah. like, specific emotional beats as far as like the whole thing kind of yeah like i don't even think he really cared that it made sense or not yeah i felt like the only real like emotional beat that was like long enough to really focus on was the um scene when uh mandy gives him the divorce papers oh yeah for sure that which is a brilliant scene i thought it was best scene in the movie oh and then he was was, like in bed with someone yeah and like people were just laughing at her that was terrible yeah yeah i love that line um you live in terror of not being misunderstood. Yes. Which is, like, that's a deep cut to literally any, like, young queer person mm-hmm. who's, like, trying to make, like, cool and edgy art, like... Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it did kind of seem like... It was weird that... I mean, I kind of appreciated the fact that I feel like the character... of the, Well, I'm just going to say this line I, I wrote down. It was, like, how essential dreaming is to the character of the rock star I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Because she was, it was like Tony talking about how they met, and it was like this whole fantasy sequence at this New Year's party, and like how so much of the movie stems from like all this imagination stuff. And I was thinking about like how they kind of split up, like it could have been a biopic of like one person with all these different facets, but instead they had the facet of the person who just wanted to create art and was just soulless. Yeah, was Brian, and then the person who had the emotional like baggage was Kurt and then the other piece of the puzzle was like was like Tony and, and um Arthur. Like I feel like they like divided up the yeah the rock star persona between all of them. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, you know, the whole thing's about Freddie Mercury and every single thing he does relates to like one mm-hmm. of these things. Or like uh, you know, Elton John, yeah. I haven't seen that, but I'm just assuming. <laughs> you know, like there's lots of different layers. And I kind of appreciate it because it's like not that they're all one dimensional, but 
You know what? Do you, and does that make yeah. sense? No, I like just everybody... came up with that as I was talking. <laughs> but I think I agree no, with it. I feel like, uh, no, like where this movie succeeds is that uh, the music itself is secondary to the characters' journeys. Right, and it could have been overshadowed by it. It could have been overshadowed by the music. Where I think it was, um, I think it was Demi Adjuwebe who, on some podcast, uh, said that the issue that he has with movies like Bohemian Rhapsody, among like other Brian Singer type issues, <laughs> uh, is that the entire movie will be like, hmm, like Mama just killed a boy. No, that's not it. What should it be? And then them saying, Mama just killed a man. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then cut to them performing it. Yeah. And then it's it just that on it, repeat. It wasn't so much like about the creation of the music as like the creation of an identity. Yes. That's what it yeah. That's what it was about. Which I thought was really brilliant. And I yeah. think that it, that's undoubtedly going to be a lot more messy and a lot more visceral. And interesting. Yeah. Overall. And is it time for me to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody? Because I just feel Go like this movie wishes. I mean, no, sorry. Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> That movie wishes. wishes it was this movie. It was literally made 21 years ago, and it is by far more, like... Progressive. Progressive. It's, like, queer. It's, like, visceral in a way. Because I feel like what Bohemian Rhapsody needed to be was, like, an HBO miniseries about Freddie Mercury that was, like, gritty and all that shit. Which I understand and I respect, like... I respect, like, what it did for people, and, like, they love the story, and they, like... It's a lot of people's way into, like... Like, someone like Freddie Mercury's life, but it's not... I don't feel like it was representative, really, of, like, something like this, where, like, this... For me, personally, with my experience, this makes more sense. Like, this is meeting me where I, like, understand it. It's not, like, generalizing anything. Yeah. I think that also it's... um, I think that it's interesting to think about, I guess, specifically, like, in the age of the internet and the age of social media, how quickly movements can progress earlier on in the recording of this very podcast uh i said that i don't think that this movie was homosexual enough (laughs) i think and then and then you guys immediately were both like no like it was made in 1998 yeah so it was most uh, it was undoubtedly homosexual Mm -hmm. enough for 1998 um and i think that it's very like it's so strange to think about how, not strange, but there's a moment in the movie itself even where I think it's Tony says something like, um, yeah, like in the 70s, they could be like gay with each other all they wanted, but that wouldn't fly today. Yeah. This idea that it sort of like goes back and forth with what is considered acceptable in society mm-hmm. and what's considered going too far and not yeah. going far enough. I mean, talk about going back (laughs) today, you know, in general. Oh, yeah. Can I briefly say, I just (laughs) thought about this, that when I saw the scene that we mentioned before with the two Barbie dolls, um, Mm. with the little girl's voice, I immediately was like, these are all Clayne fans. That is exactly how I imagine people writing fan fiction are like. Wow. Okay, so the scene is 
it's basically their first kiss, right? Yes. Yeah, but two it happens girls with playing with Barbie dolls and yeah. two like Ken dolls who are, look like Kurt and Brian. Yeah. Oh wait, it. was that scene supposed to represent their actual like real life? Oh, I would think it was like kids? their. Oh, I think so. I thought well, it was supposed like... to represent like the fandom. I think it. I think it were. worked for both. I thought it was supposed to be like a because like I those think One Direction fans who think right. that uh, because Harry I th- well and Clayne fans. Uh, yeah. I think that their relationship didn't really exist on a real personal level. I mean, I, I guess it kind of did because but like. A lo- the first time we see them kiss, like actually kiss for like 18 seconds, it's a long kiss, mm-hmm. a long yeah. gay kiss. It's you see it in complete silence for a while, and then you see camera, a camera bulb start flashing. Yeah. So it's like it's always like a public perception of their relationship. Yeah. It's never actually That's you never so see true. their relationship. I also think that I was like eating potato chips during that kiss because I fully <laughs> don't remember it at all. <laughs> I have no memory. That's homophobic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, is it straight to eat potato chips? No. What kind? Oh, true. Regular. What is regular? They were just regular. Sour potato cream and onion are the queerest. <laughs> Actually, no. no cool ranch not, Doritos. Because there's uh, dairy in those. Oh, that's that's so true. Uh, I feel <laughs> that's so what weird. I've learned over the last year. Um, the queerest a... chip is, I think, um... ruffles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, actually. No. <laughs> Stacy's p- pita, right? What? <laughs> Are you having a strip? Yes. Um, okay, wait. I... Should we? Okay, wait. I... <laughs> Stacy's okay. pita. Should uh, we move on to a word? Where, where, where's the Stacy's pita fl- uh, float at Pride? I was on it. <laughs> it was okay, me, Gwyneth before... Paltrow, and... Tony Collette. Okay, wait. Before we move on to awards, does anybody have any stray observations? I do. Any other notes that they want to... Okay. And they're all about Tony. I wrote, Tony <laughs> is Sally Bowles. Yes. Yes. I want to talk about... Well, actually, this is my best prop, so never mind. But... Um, by the way, by the way, I want to give an honorary Tony Award to something that has nothing to do with this movie. I just want to give a Tony Award for best Sally Bowles besides Mandy um, Slade. Uh-huh. Tony Award for best Sally Bowles goes to Gina Gershon. If you've ever seen Gina Gershon performing oh, the song you showed me in my kitchen. on YouTube, yeah, it's incredible. Now, I also, she was, you're in her first appearance in this movie, Tony, it was giving me major, like, Adina in the Wild Party vibes. Yes. Even, which she which, was in, but the, the other version, the other, the Lechuzia one. Nominated oh, for a Tony. Tony was nominated for an actual around. Tony Award. Let's all go No, around. only the show was. I thought that, too. Tony I, was. Wait, was she? Yeah, she was nominated for a Tony oh. for playing. Please let me speak. <laughs> We're talking about the Tony Awards. Let's let's all go around the table and deliver our best Adina Menzel impression. Jake, you go first. I should go last. Oh God, I don't know. Okay, you go first. It's my snatch game character. Moo with me. I am Adina Menzel. That's me. Okay, Jake, go. Hey guys, did you know I have asthma? She does, <laughs> which is why you can. You guys, her... it's gonna be a no fly to find gravity tonight. Don't worry. That's why she's gasping for breath on the <laughs> Wicked Cast album. I love you, Adina. If you listen to the, oh, I do. It's all out of love. She's Adina one of my Menzel, role models. Please, if you listen to this, you're better than us. Okay. Yeah. Why aren't we doing the Adina Awards? To be honest, I think we, it's a smaller filmography. We will after this. Okay. Love you, Wait, Tony. Go. On. Love you. Love you, Adina and Tony. <laughs> Gay icon. Please come on the podcast. If Adina Mazzella came on this podcast, which episode would she come on for? Oh, fuck. 
Um, hey, hey, it's Esther Blueberger. The fun mom dinner. Fun mom. Dinner. Oh, I would say like when you talk about um, Tony Collette in the other wild party. So it's just her trying to <laughs> oh, be yeah. like, well, when we did it, when our version. When I was in the wild party, <laughs> it was a little bit wilder than <laughs> the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tony's was more party, ours was more wild. I heard there's one that's more the. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, go on to the rest of your Tony. Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. We're ready oh, for I, I briefly want to give a brief shout out to um, the good good old tongue touch that they do at their first press conference and oh, those neon yeah. green outfits. They always matched. Yeah. Oh. But the, the weird tongue touch, I was like, that's like... That was one of that's my... That's queering heterosexuality well, that was one right of my there. Tony moments right there. <laughs> that was one of my options for best Tony moment. Okay, let's... um let, Okay, let's move on to awards. Um, that was so my favorite murder. Best <laughs> prop. Okay, best prop. Craig, what was your best prop? Um, my initial thought was going to be the prop of homosexuality that all of the street <laughs> actors use. Um, but my mm. best prop is definitely the six-foot-long cigarette holder in one of the early music numbers. I thought that was oh, just brilliant. Yeah. and Because that, that's that's some, that's some gay rights right there. Yes. Yes, shout out to straight actors playing gay roles. It's yeah. not talked about enough. I love you, Timothee Chalamet. Uh, mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't seen Call Me By Your Name. You don't have to. I yeah, I've gotten into too many Facebook like... fights about "Call Me by Your Name." I know. I'm gonna I know. get gay bashed. It's a straight movie, like... you guys. It's a good movie, but it's a straight movie. Okay, moving on. My best prop is Tony's all of Tony's wigs. Yes. Specifically, it was basically Moira. It was like Moira Rose up in there. Ooh, like I know she exactly had which one you're talking about. So many. Well, no, all of them. Just oh. the fact that she wore them, like, and throughout the whole last like third of the movie she just had the same very stressful like suburban blonde mom wig on <laughs> while her marriage was falling apart and I was like this is great <laughs> yes that's my okay. prop uh, my favorite prop okay wait for for best prop um, I wrote down a few options one of which is shrooms but I don't remember when the shrooms were I just remember seeing the shrooms like backstage at somebody's show so I'm going I to go. So I'm going to. So I'm going to go with the nondescript shrooms. <laughs> the shrooms. Uh, Pick them up on aisle five. Nondescript okay. shrooms. <laughs> okay. Uh, best Tony mom, Jake. Go. Okay, a lot to choose from. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm going to go with because we didn't mention it yet. Oh, okay. Can I have two? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to say in general when he first comes in, it's like halfway through the movie to interview her about the past and you, she's just like completely different person yeah and yes. it's so devastating because she looks so fucking sad and she's like drinking a scotch on the rocks with her american accent like I what's more depressing than that she took the longest pause between he's like what are you drinking she's like scotch on the rocks it was the longest pause and i was yeah. like you i just you felt that. so bad for her and then my other tony moment is uh they're having an orgy um <laughs> later like, at some point, they have an orgy, which, where were the orgies in Bohemian Rhapsody? But anyway, Tony, like, is just rolling around, and then all of a sudden goes, oh, thank God, a woman! Because a woman climbs on top of her. Yes. And I like that, too. <laughs> uh, Craig, what was yours? Um, okay, so my choice for best Tony moment is uh, the first sex scene between Brian Slade and her. I thought that was very tastefully done because it wasn't like gratuitous. I, I thought the sh- that. like the way yeah. that he that Todd Haynes shot the female body was very interesting because it's like I feel like it's a tendency with gay 
uh, artists to like the treatment of the female body is always like a little offensive or like not treated not like treated about respectfully and I thought it was like a very respectful and like interesting way of shooting it I agree with you I thought that it was very I thought that all the sex scenes in this movie mm-hmm. were very um, I, I, I would 100% describe them as tasteful which mm-hmm. is a little mm-hmm. bit surprising given like uh, the, <laughs> the subject matter yeah. yeah the subject matter and, and it's literally Christian Bale getting <laughs> fucked up the ass on a rooftop yeah and the way that like the rest of the movie is um, <laughs> I forgot that happened I thought well that this, a spaceship flies over I thought that the sex scenes were all like relatively like tender and like yeah. uh, chicken tender I'm, I'm just getting over the fact that I said the word tender and I don't like that <laughs> very tender okay what was your Tony moment, Sam? My best Tony moment was during Brian's press conference. Um, they ask him like about people getting the impression that he's a homosexual, and he's like, "Well, me and my wife are both bisexual." And Tony like waggles her tongue yeah. at him yes. from the crowd. <laughs> I loved that. Okay, custom awards. Uh, I have two. Okay. The first is the Logang Award of 1998. <laughs> Goes to Kurt and Brian, which I think I wrote the before what? they had sex. It's like the it's like the Logan Paul crew on YouTube. <laughs> uh, you know how like YouTubers like Logan Paul and Jake Paul, I can't tell them apart. Their whole aesthetic is just in like disruption. And nowadays, like with Logan and Jake Paul, it's it's not disruption so much as it is being an asshole. But yeah. um, mm. I don't remember at which point I wrote down Kurt and Brian equal Logan. <laughs> I feel like it's offensive to them. I think it's to Curtin Brian. It one hundred percent is, and I'll probably uh, I'll I'll probably take it out of the podcast because I do have another award. Here we go, which is called uh, the Rags to Riches, but for eyebrows award, it goes to Tony Collette because <laughs> if if you're looking at the movie in a linear sense, hmm. in terms of like chronologically, she starts out with like really like. Just eyebrows that are not there. The like when she didn't know death. what a taint was. Yeah, like yeah. when she didn't know what a taint was. Like her eyebrows are didn't almost the same, almost the same shade as her skin. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, the first time I saw her, I was like, I was like, did she? I was like, did she shave her eyebrows off for the fashion? It was like, no, they're there. They're just bad. But then by the end of her like tenure in the movie, they get like much better. Like, just very. Um, I, I think that. I think that when I say Tony's eyebrows get better, I just mean <laughs> that um, so I right stop now. noticing that I dislike them. Yes. They become very, like, like normal eyebrows. I'm sure she'd love to hear that. I hope to God Tony <laughs> Collette never listens to this podcast. I went on the Tony Awards Instagram we account followed her. and commented on one of her pictures. She made a we post were like, I love your like... eyebrows in this, not like in the beginning of the <laughs> gold mine. <laughs> and she's she... like, oh, I know, right? <laughs> She made a post about how, like, um, she just finished filming a movie with, like, Anna Kendrick oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, God and forbid. I, and, I, and, I com- <laughs> and I commented on the post. I was like, can't wait, but on the Tony Awards account. Because I saw that she was liking comments that people had left, but she didn't mm-hmm. like our comment. So I don't think she I don't want her to find us until we're, like, I don't want her to find us until through. after we do The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, but that was my custom award. So, Craig, what was yours? My custom award is um, best Ewan McGregor nude scene because I thought out of all of them, like this was the most entertaining and interesting. The on stage. Like, yes. The is he nude in Moulin Rouge? No, he's yeah. nude in Phantom Menace. Just kidding. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be so funny. And why does Ewan McGregor is like slinging a lightsaber the whole time? <laughs> um, 
That's a good award. Um, my custom award, okay, for my custom award today on this podcast, I am giving, personally, all four Oscars that Bohemian Rhapsody won to this movie, including editing, because it is way better. Yes. <laughs> because Bohemian Rhapsody was the most awarded movie at this year's Oscars, which is terrible. And that's this is it. just a hour long call out of Bohemian Rhapsody. It's just I just it's just so bad. Sorry, I just really needed Jake to uh, keep talking fill time while I chewed the cherry from my drink. <laughs> a maraschino cherry. Yeah. Okay, this movie so... is a maraschino cherry. Yes. And Bohemian Rhapsody is. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen this movie, you need to go see this movie. I would say. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, now for oh. our new segment, which we introduced last week, is it better than Clockwatchers? Jake, is it better than Clockwatchers? He's drinking. He's deciding. He's thinking. I'm going to say no. I personally, okay, it might be a better movie than Clockwatchers, like, as a movie. But I personally enjoyed Clockwatchers more. But you know what else I think I enjoyed more a week later is Diana and Me. Oh, really? But not more than this or Clockwatchers. What? But right now for me it goes like this Clock is a Watchers very specific mathematical Velvet problem. Gold Mine number two. Yeah. Number three, Diana and Me. Number four, Muriel's Wedding. Number five, the Paul Barrett, and then everything else. Yeah. For me, I did not enjoy it. Okay, my We have favorite... to rank all the movies every week. Yeah, every single week. <laughs> As we keep going. Where's the thief in the it's cobbler? Like a, it, it's like that exercise. Never is negative 18. <laughs> it's like that exercise that you do on the first day of acting class where you have to go around in the circle Everyone's and name. Like, name everybody's yes. name. Yeah. I'm Jake and I'm bringing Jello to the picnic. Yeah. Uh, my version of the segment would be called Is It Better Than Muriel's Wedding? Because Muriel's Wedding is my favorite that we've done so far. Is it? I still enjoy Muriel's Wedding more than any other movie we've done on this podcast. My attempt at a drum roll. But to be honest, I think that the segment is funnier when it's just you talking about Clockwatchers. It's so a good I movie. I don't think that I'm going to uh, contribute with my bit next week. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say. So I guess you any stole the, the bit. No, I don't think. No, because you can mention the stealing bit. things again. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm not going to say whether I think movies are better than Muriel's Wedding anymore. I think that it's, because none are. I. Th- that is also true. I just think it's funnier when it's like a one-off of you. Anyway, that's been um, workshopping with Sam and Jake. Um, and a good old We've reached roll. the end of the podcast. Do you have anything to plug? Absolutely not. I don't have a single thing. Great. Uh, we're going to link to our Twitters and Instagrams. Yeah, please follow me on Twitter. It's the only good thing I've ever given to the world. Oh, my goodness. My Twitter's only good when I'm sad. <laughs> That, I think that that holds true for all Twitters. Yes. Donald Trump. Donald Trump's Twitter has never been good. Cut his name from this podcast. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm We're sorry not talking about Donald Trump on this podcast. All right. How do we end this? One, two, three. Like, we'll be quiet for a second. All right, guys. Well, thanks Just for do coming another today. Roll. How do we how, how do we exit out of this? Um, on the count of three, everybody say your sexual orientation. <laughs> One, two, three. I don't okay. know. Bye.